0: What's up, good people? Hey, if you know it, say it along with me. We just sang it. Spirit, lead me. Right? Spirit, lead me where my what? Trust is without Come on. Let me walk upon the water. What? Wherever you may lead me or call me. Hey, welcome to New Hope Church. I am glad you are here. Can you just welcome all the campuses? Come on, all the campuses. Welcome the movement. One church, many locations. You guys having a great summer? Good summer? Yeah? That you don't sound too convincing. Hey, if you're not, check it out. Now is a great time to take inventory. We are halfway through the summer. I'll get you some of that. Flying by. So whatever you used to dream of in the spring that you were hoping you would experience this summer, it is time to figure out how to make that happen. Can I get an amen? amen. Hey, I got some good news and some bad news. Bad news. Bad. News? bad you, you're, you're bad news first kind of people. I'm with you, man, I'm with you, I'm, with, I'm like that too. So I got some bad news, it's really not bad news as much as it's sad news. And uh, some of you will not know who in the world I'm talking about, but others of you will know exactly who I'm talking about. Um, we, we've had this guy in our church now uh, since 2008, so 11 years or so. Uh, his name is Country, and he goes by Scott. And Country is a main character in, in uh, a chapter in the book I just wrote. Um, country died this past, I know, I know, he died this week. And uh, here he is, that's Country, man, look at Country. Hey, even if you've never met Country, you'll know him because at the most inopportune times, during my sermons, he would go, together! <laughs> if you had a wild Saturday night, you know what I'm saying? He'd roll up in here on Sunday, come on, let's honor country on the count of three. You, you got, Together, you gotta to say it like a pirate, dude. I mean, You gotta dig deep, one, two, three, together! Country would sit right down. <laughs> He'd sit right down here, and, and sometimes we'd have to calm him down a little bit. Um, country was a homeless guy who shuffled up to our church in 2008 when we were over on Garrett Road. In that ugly strip mall, you remember that? Remember, I told God I never wanted to pastor a church in a strip mall, and God said, "Good, get you some of this." And <laughs> and we landed in a strip mall, and Country shuffled up there. I'll never forget it. He wasn't in a wheelchair back then, and he shuffled up, and he just devoured, devoured the the, the snack table, and uh, <laughs> and immediately became a part of our church. Um, listen, he, he became. I would say the, that that might be a stretch, but one of the greatest outreach slash evangelists of this church. I don't know if you realize this or not. I know you've seen him down here on 40. He used to be homeless when he came to our church. We got him a home, but he still kept panhandling and country would be down here on I-40 in his wheelchair and he would be asking for money. But he always, anybody who gave him money or anybody who stopped to talk to him, he would hand them a New Hope card and he'd invite them to this church. He, he... He he was a, a homeless evangelist, if you will, um, but he was awesome, and so many people are here because of country, and I, I miss I will miss him, and uh, I guess you saw the date. Maybe they can throw it back up there. But the date of the memorial uh, service is like Monday, uh, the 22nd. Yeah, Monday the 22nd at 3 p.m. I, I usually don't announce funerals, all that we do anyway, but like this one, I thought. Um, you might wanna come. You don't have to, but it's gonna be a party. We're gonna have a party, and we're gonna celebrate country because he had some incredible faith. And uh, like I said, I am gonna miss him. Here's the good news. Um, Where are my men in the house? Any men in the house? Battle Ready, Battle Ready is coming, not this Thursday, but next Thursday, July 25th. You don't wanna miss it. We started a couple months ago. If you are a man and you wanna take this faith and live it out Battle ready July 25th at 7 p.m. Okay, so welcome to the final installment of shoes. I don't know about you, but I really, I really dread the idea of this sermon series ending. Uh, if you're new around here, we've been in this series where for the last seven weeks, we've been stepping into the shoes of folks in the gospels who had close encounters with Jesus and we're empathizing with them and we're learning about them, but we're also learning about God because by stepping into their shoes, we get to experience this dialogue that these folks had with Jesus. And if you'll just let your mind reverse back and think about the last seven weeks, you will recall that the first week we did it, I had flip-flops, flip-flops with John the Baptizer. Uh, Then we had some work boots with the Roman soldier. Then we had some stilettos, remember that Sunday, stilettos. Then we had slippers with the woman caught in adultery last week. And then we had kitty shoes, kiddo shoes. When we talked about the fact that Jesus loves children and said, let them come on to me. Today, you'll notice we don't have any shoes up here. There are no shoes up here. Because today, we're going barefoot with Peter. Barefoot with Peter. And when I started dreaming up this sermon series many, many months ago, I thought today I would preach barefoot. What do you think? Y'all down with that? Y'all down with that? I'll do it. So go ahead. Fe- feet are a funny, hey, if, if I took my shoes off, will you take yours off? Huh? No? You sinners. Seriously? He said, nope. See, that's the thing about feet, man. People, people, you, you either love your feet and you're proud of your feet. You've been around a person who's proud of his feet. Like, man, look at that foot right there. Right there. <laughs> look, look at the angle of those toes right there. And others of you are like, you don't, you don't, you don't want to show your feet. And if I might say so, women, women, you got a distinct advantage here because you can go and get you a pedicure and you can get those piggies, you can get those piggies all painted up, man. And I mean, you can make a bad set of feet look really good if you paint those nails in hot pink. Somebody said, guys can too. Yeah. No, guys can't. No, no. Dude, hey dude, dude, no, no. You can get a massage. I'm with you on a massage, but not ah, uh-uh, don't paint your toenails, man. <laughs> but I thought about I thought about going barefoot up here today and, and in honor of Peter, and who knows, I might take them off by the time the day is over. But let me just let me just get you to reflect on your life for a moment. You see, great lives are lived by taking risk. Great lives are lived by living the great adventure and being willing to have courage and overcome fear. Stick with me here for just a moment. Great lives are full of conflict, courage, conquest, adventure, deep emotion, and even faith. Those are the things that make up a great life. And those are the kinds of stories that push aside fear. And you know this as well as I do. Whenever you come across somebody who is living that kind of life, they aren't afraid to look stupid for their faith. They aren't afraid to take big, bold, hairy, audacious steps of faith. They aren't afraid of a little conflict, a little temptation, a little struggle, a little pain. Whenever you really rub shoulders with someone like that, you know it, you've been there, and you see somebody fully alive in Christ. It makes you admire them. Come on, come on. It it even makes us at times be a little envious of the fact that they've learned how to live well this one and only life that God has given us. And I can't help but think that the disciples that day had to feel that way about Peter. Open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 14. They had to look at Peter and and something inside of them go, oh, if I could only do that. Now, Matthew 14 rolls around and we're about to read together one of the most fantastic passages of scripture in the New Testament. Most of you will have heard of it. Some of you might not have heard of it and that's perfectly fine. Open up your phone or your tablets. If you don't have a Bible, go to BibleGateway.com or go to our app at the app store. You can just download that bad boy right now. In Matthew 14, Jesus has this dialogue with Peter. Let me just set the context for just a moment. This is right on the hills of the crowds coming to Jesus and they were hungry. Do you remember this? They were hungry and Jesus looks around and he sees this little dude, this little boy walking by with a, I don't know, a a Long John Silver (laughs) luncheon, if you will. And Jesus, Jesus takes his two fish and five biscuits, if you will, feeds them, sends them into the boats. I mean, they got basketfuls left over after Jesus feeds these massive crowds with two fish and five loaves of bread. Right as that ends, Jesus sends the disciples across the sea. I am wondering today if you would honor God's word and stand as we read it together. Come on, church. Matthew chapter 14. 22 through 32. If you love the word of the Lord, say, praise the Lord. Lord. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back. Oh, we're going to read it together. Cool. (laughs) Folks are amazing. I like that. Get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake. While he sent people home after sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray Night fell while he was there alone. Freeze it, as Dickie V would say. Notice that Jesus sends them into the storm. That's a sermon for a whole nother day. But but make no mistake about it, sometimes Jesus will send you into a storm. And the question becomes how will you live out your faith in the midst of the storm? Let's continue. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost, right? (laughs) Casper! (laughs) I don't know where that came from, sorry. (laughs) But Jesus spoke to them at once, don't be afraid, he said. Take courage, I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. Now, I don't know what you're thinking at that point in time, but like if if Jesus is out on the water and I'm in the boat, I'm not saying, "Hey, hey, yo, Jesus, Call me, and I'll I'll come to you. (laughs) No, what I'm saying is, hey, yo, Jesus, get in the boat! Right? Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter, don't miss this. Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why do you doubt me? When they climbed back in the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples, what they do, church? Worshipped. Worshipped him. You really are the son of God, they exclaimed. Father God, take our minds and... Think through them today. Take our hearts and feel with them. Lord Jesus, take my lips today and speak through them. For if you, you, you alone do not speak, then nothing of any significance will have been spoken. We pray it together as a church in Jesus' name and the people of God said, amen, amen. amen. You may be seated. I love the fact that you love the word and you just wanna read it. Great lives, again, are characterized, you can take this to the bank, by people who have courage, people who are willing to muster courage, even if they don't, people who are willing to kick fear to the curb and step into a wild ride, shotgun, if you will, with Christ leading your life and faith-filled, courageous, bold living. That is what it means to live a great life. And I don't know, but I can only imagine... That you're here today. One of the reasons you're here today is because there's something inside of you calling you to live a great life. There's something inside of you that you know, I only have one life. And as countries passing just reminds us, because none of us expected that, it can be gone just like that. And something inside of you tells you, it's that, it's that never-ending itch, if you will, that, that gnawing inside your soul that has you sick and tired of being sick and tired of living a life that doesn't really matter. I don't know if you've ever read any of Donald Miller's work, but Donald Miller wrote a book. And the book was incredible. It's called A Million Miles in a Thousand Years. A Million Miles in a Thousand Years. And, and Miller starts the book out. Talking about the fact that no one is inspired if you were to write a book or a movie, no one is inspired by a man who lives his life trying to save enough money to buy a Volvo. (laughs) That's, That's how he starts the story. He goes, There's nothing captivating, there's nothing inspiring, there's nothing motivating about a man who just tries to save some money to buy a Volvo. And then he says this, But we spend years actually living those stories and expect our lives to be meaningful. The truth is, he says this, if what we choose to do with our lives won't make a story meaningful, it won't make a life meaningful either. It got me thinking this week, what kind of life am I living? What kind of story am I writing with my one and only life? Is it Is it meaningful? Maybe you can let these questions fall on you and think about it in your life. Is the life I'm living meaningful? Is it a story about a man or a woman or a student or a young adult who lives with passion and faith and courage and generosity? Is it a story about a man or a woman who is so in love with God that that love with God actually spreads out onto other people? people. I put it like this in my notes. Check this out. Most people absolutely love the idea of living a better story, but few will embrace the risk and even fewer will get intentional about doing the work involved to make that better story possible. The masses of humanity feel this desire to do something with their one and only life. But listen, the masses of humanity never actually get the courage to step out of the boat, if you will, and walk on water. They never master the courage to do something great with their life, something great in your parenting, something great in your vocational life, something great in your educational life, in your relational life. And I just want to tell you, listen, if you want to walk on water in your life, and I know you do, that's why you're here today. If you truly want to walk on water, you will never do so if you're not willing to get out of the boat and take some risk, to find some courage, to kick fear in the teeth and do something great with your life. Most people, not saying it in a critical way, just in a factual way, most people surmise the situation and basically conclude, I don't know if I want to actually step out of the boat and try something risky for God. It might be more pain than I'm willing to take. It might mean I'm uncomfortable. It might take courage. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to go back inside and grab the remote control and see what's on television. But I stopped by today to let you know that what it means to be a new hoper, come on, What it means to be a part of this movement is to be a man or a woman or a student or a child or a young person who says, you know what? I realize I only have one life and I'm gonna live it well. I'm gonna do something great with my life. To be a new hoper means I'm a part of a church that gets fired up about doing risky, crazy things for God. Because you know this, don't you? The great stories always include conflict. They always include pain. They always include courage. They always include risk. Great lives of faith calls you to, to actually get up and move across the country when you're not even sure what God has on the other store for you. Great lives always are characterized by women or men who are not afraid to risk being wrong or stupid, if you will. Why? Because It taps into this innate desire that God has put in every single one of you. This innate desire that tells you life is fleeting and it's going to be gone before you know it. And so if you're gonna be a wise steward of this one and only life, you better get some faith. You better be willing to take some risk and you better get caught up into something great with your life. What's true in movies is true in your life and my life. In fact, I say it like this in my notes. You'll see it on the screen. I don't think most people are afraid of dying. Actually, I'm gonna get to that one. If there is no risk involved in your life, is there, if there is no courage required, there is no sacrificial, other-centered living, then chances are you are what? Living a pretty boring story. Maybe... Maybe that's why you're here. That you're just sick and tired of living a faithless or maybe a boring life, because life can just become one darn thing after another, if you know what I mean. And then I say it like this in my notes. This is the one I was referring to. I don't think most people are afraid of dying. You might think you are, but I really don't think that's the case. If you probe a little bit, you find that here's the real deal. Most of us are afraid of getting to the end of it all and realizing that when it is all said and done, they lived a boring life that didn't really matter after all. And you see, church, God, God has set up this thing on planet Earth called the church. And the church is supposed to be the most incredible, courageous, adventuresome movement on the planet. It's supposed to be taking territory. It's supposed to be made up of women and men who are willing to get out of the boat and do something significant in their lives, even if they have fear. I mean, come on. Do you think Peter was fearful? How do you think Peter felt when he actually stepped out over the boat to walk towards Jesus? Think about this. What kind of better story would you be living right now if you weren't afraid? Whatever it is that has you fearful. What kind of better story? Another way to ask it would be this. Make it more personal, customized for this summer. Check this out. What would you do this summer or this year or for the rest of your life if you knew you could not fail. Now, we all know we can fail, right? But the reality that we can fail should never stop us from doing something great for God. Can I get an amen? It should never cause us to have fear or timidity. Fear keeps us immobilized. Fear holds us back. And I hope you realize this. There is an enemy. And the Bible says that that enemy's desire in your life is to kill, steal, and destroy. And one of the things he wants to do is kill, steal, and destroy this this invitation and your willingness to step into a better story. It's why God has a different blueprint for your life. You know this, right? God has a different desire for you. If you are a child of God, God calls you out of the boat as well, if you will. Here's the blueprint, 2 Timothy 1, 7. Come on, out loud, church. Here we go, 2 Timothy 1, 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Thanks be to God, right? He's not given us a spirit of fear, so whenever you sense God calling you to do something significant, when you have fear come into your life, that is not of God. That's from the enemy who's trying to take you out of living a great life. All the manipulative types of fear that we encounter are not from God. They are from the enemy. God gives you love, power, and self discipline Max Lucado puts it like this. I love this quote. Max says this. When when fear shapes our lives, safety becomes our God. When safety becomes our God, we worship the risk-free life. Then he asked this question. Can the safety lover do anything great? What do you think, church? Can the risk-averse accomplish noble deeds for God? For others, no. The fear-filled life cannot love deeply. Love is risky. They cannot give to the poor. Benevolence has no guarantee of return. The fear-filled cannot dream wildly. Watch this. What if their dreams sputter and fall from the sky? The worship of safety emasculates greatness no wonder Jesus wages such a war against fear fear will destroy your greater purposes in this world fear never changed much of anything now I'm not talking about healthy fear I'm not talking about the fear that maybe you experience when you're at the beach these days because you've been watching too much news and you're worried about the sharks in the ocean. I'm not talking about the fear that you and I have when we're walking down the mall and some of those crazy people that work the kiosk start coming at you. (laughs) Dude, I don't know about you, but when I see those people, I'm like... That's a good fear. But these manipulative types of fear that take you out of trying something great, doing something new, doing something that you've always longed to do. Fear has never written a symphony. Fear never cured a disease, never won a championship, never pulled a family out of poverty or a country out of bigotry. Faith, faith has done that every step of the way. You want to know what the greatest command in Scripture is? By far, the greatest command in Scripture. And when I say great, in this case, I mean the most popular. The most popular command in Scripture, by far, second place, is three times less likely to be found in Scripture. This, what I'm about to tell you is three times more likely to be read in Scripture than its second closest rivalry. It has everything to do with overcoming fear. Here are some verses that as I read these, you'll think of those. You've heard them before. Do not be afraid, the Bible says over and over again. Take heart. Be of good cheer. Don't panic. The Bible says take courage. Don't let your hearts be troubled. And this one is all over scriptures. Is short. Fear not. Say that with me, fear not. One more time, fear not. And to live a better story, listen, listen, listen. You have to learn to kick fear to the curb. Invite Christ into your life, not as your co-pilot. I can't stand that bumper sticker. God is not your co-pilot. <laughs> you got that on your car, take it off he is your pilot. You let him take the will of your life and you kick fear to the curb and you take a wild ride with God. You step out of the boat and you start willing to take a risk. You start willing to trust the antithesis of fear is trust. Out loud, really loud. John 14, one, here we go. John 14, one, out loud. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust was not some concept way out on the peripheral edges of Jesus' teaching. Trust was central to Jesus' message to us. God did not give us a spirit of fear. If you ever wanna walk on water again, you've got to be willing to get out of the boat. So what is it do you think that God is calling you to do that you know you've just been captive to fear? Here's one more, Hebrews eleven six. You read the last one so well. All of our campuses, ready, go. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. One more time. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Here's another one. 1 John 4, 18. There is no fear in what church? Love, but perfect love dries out fear. Amen. Amen. As I've been talking, some of you have been having this thought. I know you have because, man, I I have this thought sometimes. You have this thought, you know, I I would be more prone to step out of the boat. I would be more prone to take courageous risk if if I could just see things more clearly, right? You, You think like this. If I could just see the whole picture, I'd be willing to live into this better story that Pastor's talking about today. And it got me thinking about uh, the Claritin commercial. Claritin commercial. How, how many of you have allergies? Allergies? I'm gonna go. I have allergies bad in the fall and the spring. You've seen the Claritin commercial? Even if you don't have allergies, you've probably seen this. The, the commercial starts and it's got this like filter on the commercial and everything is fuzzy and it's, it's hazy and you can't really see. And then you take this magical Claritin pill and it becomes what? <laughs> you got it. It becomes Claritin clear. And I'm a Claritin fan now. Claritin is really the only thing that really works for me. But check, check it out. Here's, here's what I'm learning. I'm learning in my life that I don't have to have everything clear to take a step and move towards God. I'm learning, maybe a better way to put it is, my comfort level with some ambiguity, with some haze, with maybe not HD clarity my comfort level is increasing because i'm starting to learn more and more that if i could see the whole picture with clarity and clear right it wouldn't really be faith would it i'm learning that that actually god calls me out even when everything is not clear the best thing i can do is seek god Learn to listen to his voice, learn to hear his word, and then I step out even when it's not real clear. And I'm wondering today if you might do that with me in a very simple, practical way. I admit, in a crazy way. Paul says in the New Testament, we've become fools for Christ. I wonder today if you might do something a little crazy with me. I shared with you how, um, when I started thinking about this series, I thought that today I would get up here and preach barefoot. And I haven't done it yet. But I think I wanna take my shoes off. And I think I wanna invite you to do the same. You're like, what you talking about, Willis? (laughs) those are on there pretty good alright y'all ready I'm going to chunk this thing it didn't go that way so I'm sitting in my study the other day and I am grieving the loss of country Y'all think I can hit this brother over here? I gotta get it off more or it does that thing and goes backwards. See, that was the problem right there. Let me get the, here you go. When in doubt, just use your hand. Oh, that's pretty good. That's pretty good right there. I'm in my my study the other day. When I say my study, it's at the house. I work here, I have an office here, but I have a study at the house where I do all my sermon prep and I'm there and I got message that country just died and I was grieving and I was remembering the day that that I met country we were at that strip mall I told you about earlier and he shuffled up and like I said just devoured the the snack table donuts he and then after he devoured it he came he had had his hands full of donuts as he walked into church that day and um and I met him, and I remember, and I'm playing this all in my mind the other day, and I remembered that when I met Country, his, he, he had shoes on, but his shoes didn't fit. And his Country had some big old feet. And, and his feet had busted through the front of the shoes. And about, you know, from here forth, about half of his foot was sticking out of his shoes, man. And I was like, welcome, glad you're here. We need to get you some shoes. I didn't say that, I thought that. Um, So I'm sitting there the other day and I'm thinking about that. And then I start remembering that when I started dreaming about this series, I thought about preaching barefoot today. And and then I remembered that the name of our series is what? And I had a crazy idea. I had a crazy idea. I sat in my study at home, and I started imagining, what would it be like if thousands of new hopers took their shoes off, and we collected those shoes as a church, and we gave them to people who can't afford shoes? There's a couple of organizations. One is Souls for Souls. How cool is that? S-O-L-E-S. souls, S-O-U-L-S souls for souls and then there's another one, Samaritan's feet and I thought, what if what if the people who came to church on July 14th 2019 were willing to do something crazy and leave church barefoot some of you, here's what some of you are thinking. (laughs) Dang, I wish I had known that before I wore these shoes to church. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, 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 listen. Listen, if you like, if you got on some sentimental shoes, man, or you like, you like wore some nice shoes today. Listen, you can go home if you want and trade them out. And you can do like I did this morning. I emptied out my closet and brought several. I mean, some of you, ladies, are you ever gonna be able to wear all 684 pairs of shoes you got? <laughs> yes, she says. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. We will be collecting shoes later today and the first couple of days of this week if you want to do that. But do you? Maybe, Maybe God is calling you to step out of the boat and do something risky. And maybe, maybe we can make a huge difference in the lives of those who can't afford shoes later this summer or this fall or this winter when their feet are really, really cold. Hey, you don't have to do this. This doesn't save you. This doesn't make you a bad person if you don't want to do this. But maybe the Holy Spirit right now is moving in your heart and in your life. And maybe for the first time, you will do something crazy and bold with your faith. For many of you, this will be the most audacious, crazy thing you've ever done for Christ, ever. And I don't know, I don't know, but listen, I gotta imagine, I gotta imagine that up in heaven, I can't prove this, I don't have a verse for you, but I kinda think up in heaven today, God might be going on the intercom system or something, I don't know. Get Peter, get Peter, get Peter over here. Peter comes running up, and I can see Jesus going, Peter, Peter, you remember that day you walked on water, Peter? Peter'd be like, yeah, man, thank you for saving me. And I can see Jesus going, I want to show you something. Look look at my beautiful people called New Hope. And look, look, just look at them taking off their shoes to love my children. (laughs) Come on. Hey, I know some of you still need to think about it. Y'all funny. Stay put. Don't head for the door. We want to sing a song over you. It's a powerful song. The name of the song is Control. And I want, Can I read a few lyrics for you? It's just so cool. The song says, all my intentions, all my obsessions, I want to lay them down. In your hands, only your love is vital. Though I'm not entitled, still you call me your child. Listen to the chorus. Here's what the chorus says. God, I love this. You don't need me. But somehow, you want me. Oh, how you love me. Somehow that frees me to take my hands off of my life and the way it should go. Pray with me. Father, we love you today. And I thank you for the opportunity. God, I'm so grateful for the opportunity to call your children into bold, adventuresome, risky, courageous faith. God, I pray, oh Lord, as we sing this song over them, and we just stay seated. God, I pray that they would hear your voice, not the voice of some mere man, but that they would hear your voice. And whether or not they drop their shoes today or later, I pray that today would be a defining moment for us. God, that we would get more comfortable with being uncomfortable. God, that we would start living lives that give witness and testimony to who you are. God, we wouldn't spend our lives, in the words of Donald Miller, trying to buy a Volvo. But, oh God, we would be called up in the greatest love story ever told, the greatest love story ever experienced, where women and men give their lives to you, God. They worship you, they honor you, they serve you. And that love spreads out to those we meet and some we may never meet. Call us out of the boat. Give us faith and courage to take the first step. Even if that step is barefoot. In the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.